Hi, I'm Evan Hunsberger. And I'm Will Overman. And you're listening to Deep Cuts and Coffee. This week, I'm really excited to invite the man with the golden pipes to the show, Jerome Williams. Jerome is an Alexandria, Virginia native and recent Whammy Award finalist who brings high-energy soul funk and a special form of kindness to his performances. Williams and his band, JWX, the Jerome Williams Experience, have performed at some of the region's most notable venues, including the 930 Club, Union Stage, and the Kennedy Center. Currently, Jerome is working on releasing new material while serving as an advocate for change across the D.C. music community as a member of the Capital Groove Collective and co-founder of the Let Us Breathe Initiative. Please welcome to the show, Jerome Williams. Hey everybody, my name is Jerome Williams and you're listening to Deep Cuts and Coffee. Awesome. Nailed it. Perfect. Nailed Thanks, it. dude. <laughs> One take wonder. Let's go. <laughs> it's the easiest podcast yet. Um, so, I, so I, I guess, you know, Jerome, this is your, is this your first podcast that you've been on? You've been on others, right? Yeah, I've been on a, I've been on a few others uh, during quarantine. Uh, it's been fun because uh, it's something I've, you know, been wanting to do for a while. But it's also good just to talk with friends and, you know, just kind of talk about the music industry and what we're all doing and how we're all getting through this time. And, uh, yeah, but I'm definitely excited to be here on this one. And, you know, hey, let's let's have some fun. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So for for our listeners who don't know, uh, Jarrell Williams is a fantastic uh, gospel R&B. Is that is that kind of how you would categorize your music? There, You know, there's there's a lot of influences there. Um, I'm mostly I'm like the the R&B funk pop sort of vein but i also do gospel as well i'm you know working uh, a couple of churches and and things like that um but yeah i mostly am in the the r&b uh pop vein okay but we actually me and a a producer that i'm working with we actually came up with this uh ed r&b term uh because I do love EDM, but at the same time, I being able to put that modern R&B feel in it, mm-hmm. um, it gives people, you know, something, to, a feel-good tune and, and something to dance to. So, yeah, one of many genres. <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, I, I think that's like a, a a beautiful a beautiful thing. The fact that you have, I mean, I've I've listened to a bunch of your your singles that you've been releasing, and and something that I, that I love about that f- the fact is that like you have this you know beautiful voice that just like kind of sails over like these deep pocket like beats, and I'm like I could I could totally hear this on on you know top top forty uh, or or you know top ten every week on the radio. But again, it's it's something that I think a lot of people don't don't have these days as far as pop music goes is this like really deep soulful element that's super authentic and you deliver it like so uh effortless effortless yeah effortlessly there we go <laughs> i could talk uh the irony and, of that word <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah yeah super super effortless <laughs> i appreciate that man it's just um you know obviously first off we just that top 40, top 10 vibe you're talking about. We need to, uh, if you know the radio stations, hey, you know, let's let's make a connection. I can, I can help uh, you out with some of that. Make that thing happen. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it, honestly, it really just comes down to, I, I really 
you know, give homage to the influences that kind of made me into the the performer and the, and the singer that I am. But at the same time, like I, I want to be very versatile and just write on what I'm feeling in a current mm-hmm. state and time and just be able to put it out there and not feel like I have to be put into one box about, you know, I only do this music and I don't do this. Like we're seeing that the tides shift now where you have artists who are pretty much writing for a lot of genres. And that's the great thing about music is that if I'm feeling in a country mood, I can write a country style song and preferably give it to a country artist Mm -hmm. or, you know, if I'm R and B or even, I mean, whatever the the mood calls for, I think that's one of the great things about music that we, in the past, have kind of taken for granted. But now we're, yeah. with this indie shift, we're starting to see uh, a lot more variety there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think as as the label has less control in the you know grand scheme of music, it's it's kind of a, a scary time in music because there's really no standard at the moment but that's also a positive where i think we all can write whatever we want to write and as long as it's hitting and it's affecting people and it's getting out there we're we're able to package it in some way it's it's still working for us as the musicians yeah and i think it's it's cool that i think before and i guess i noticed this myself growing up and just kind of the music that i was raised on we were more so like, okay, this is the genre of music that we listen to and what artist fits in that genre. Whereas now you're seeing like, I love this artist because of X, Y, and Z. Right. Oh, I didn't know they did a song like this. And oh, they did a song like that. And they worked Mm -hmm. with this person and this person. So I think we've really seen like, seen the doors open up in terms of the the variety and then also just the, the opportunity that artists are getting to kind of live out some of those, you know, dreams or visions that they wouldn't have been able to in an older time because they would have been wanting to stick to one genre. Right. Yeah. And I keep on thinking about, uh, while while you were talking about that, I thought about the uh, Ed Sheeran, uh, Chris Stapleton, and Bruno Mars collaboration. Like, that song is, again, you you would never expect that. Yeah. And yet those guys, I mean, the delivery on it and the vocal parts that – each each part of the song, you could hear their their influences, their stylistic choices, like all that come through. But it was cohesive at the same time, and that was super beautiful for me. Yeah, that whole album, that whole album is is nuts. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's one a fully collaborative album with all these different genres. Again, like like we were just saying. So, it, and the whole album was just amazing. Yeah. So yeah. So have you, and actually speaking of, of collaborations, um, I think it's Willie Ray Hubbard. Um, he just released an entire collaboration record um, just like last week um, called Co-Stars. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've listened to any of those tracks yet, but it's, it's incredible. Um, there's a, a band based out of Nashville. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, Tyler... Um, Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown, and um, they did a they did a collaboration with him on, on one of the songs. And again, like that band is known for their, I guess what some would people think of like Guns N' Roses, ACDC, um, you know, rock and roll vibe. And and again, you you compare that against the other people that he had on that record, and it and it's just uh, again amazing to me. Um, that that there are these opportunities now for people to do stuff like that. Um, 
and then I also watched, uh, uh, oh gosh, you're probably going to be sad that I did this, but uh, Billy Joel did a collaboration with, um, oh gosh, um, who's, who's Circle G? Will, his daughter was on the radio show with us, Ali Colleen, um, uh, Garth Brooks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Garth Brooks and Billy Joel back in, I think it was the 90s, uh, Billy Joel came on stage during Garth Brooks's uh, um, Central Park concert uh, with HBO. And, you know, there's like a million people out there. And, again, you have this amazing, like, singer-songwriter, you know, very blues, New York, uh, you know, Jersey artist. And then you have this guy from Oklahoma <laughs> who plays country music come together and do this collaboration. And, honestly, like, it just... It, it blows my mind every single time somebody like that does something. Well, and to, um, to add to your part about Ray Wiley Hubbard, he, you know, he's kind of an old guard now. He came up in the early 90s when labels had nothing but control and coffers as deep as the ocean. Yeah. And to see somebody like that now with his album called Co-Starring, where he's working with people from, I'm looking at it right now, it's it's people from the Cadillac 3 to Aaron yeah. Lutasian to mm-hmm. Peter Rowan um, to Joe Walsh. I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's a pretty cool... Indicator of, of where we are right now in music, because um, I think it's affecting you know the Nashville elite industry and it's affecting people like us because we're all I mean three of us are just trying to figure it out, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's it's I I mean for again for me like something that you and I have talked a lot about Will is uh, like searching for opportunities to do that at the level that we're at, and so you know like discussing. Um, you know, some of the potentials of doing like remixes of some of your songs or um, again, inviting other people on stage during a performance um, and that kind of thing. I, I think that we should be looking to those kinds of people and saying, what are ways that we can collaborate together? Because I, I feel like so many times the industry just feels like this dog eat dog world. Um, it doesn't matter whether you're at the local level or at the national level or the international level. Um, there, I mean, there are times that it feels like you're just like button up heads with everybody else, but at the same time, we're expected to work together. And, and honestly, like, I think right now during the pandemic, uh, you know, we definitely need to lean more into that working together and, um, you know, collaborating together, uh, in whatever format possible to, to really elevate, you know, all of our voices, because right now our industry is in, unfortunately in shambles. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the the crazy thing about it is when we finally when we take the focus off of some of some of those things that you're talking about and we actually put it back into the people and the fans. I mean, it that's where the that's where the change comes, because what a lot of us sometimes, you know, miss out on is when you collaborate with somebody you're introducing yourself to their fan base and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of uh, very like genuine reactions when people see that, you know, we're working with someone. They're like, oh, I got to go look them up. Like, you guys sound amazing together. Whereas that wouldn't have happened if it was just, you know, I have to do everything. I have to write everything. I have to produce everything or however, you know, whatever your skill set is. So, I think that's why, you know, for instance, uh, we had talked about Eli earlier, Eli Mm -hmm. Lev. And, um, you know, he and I had started writing a couple of songs together. And, you know, just because we vibe together, just Mm -hmm. because we're in two different genres doesn't mean we still can't 
have a vibe. And right. then we've performed together on stage many times. And just to kind of see that that connection and that cohesiveness, we you know, it opened the doors for both of our, you know, yeah. networks to see us. And mm-hmm. I think people need to take advantage of that more. Absolutely. Oh yeah. It's it's a it's like a grassroots networking. I mean, if you know, if Eli Lev's ever here and Jero Williams is ever here, it's like the Venn diagram effect where oh, that yeah. cross that crossover audience is huge. And that's how you you build fans because a lot of times myself included, I lock on to a certain type of music sometimes and I'll just I'll go down that rabbit hole for a while and I'll stay mm-hmm. within those parameters. And as soon as I break out or I mean like the Leon Bridges John Mayer crossover yeah. they d- they did with Inside Friend. Like that yeah. I, I cannot imagine how many new fans they gained or people who probably knew of them both and were like, mm-hmm. huh, I'm actually gonna go check out his discography now. Yeah. It's and I love that like you said, that that grassroots approach. I'm I'm just you know, obviously, like, <laughs> social media is its own beast, but for me, yeah. it's not necessarily just about how many followers I have. It's it's more so about how I engage mm-hmm. with those followers. And I can honestly tell you that during quarantine, I have gained way more of a following than I would have, you know, without it. And part of that is just because you know, by doing virtual concerts and, you know, kind of doing some of these uh, plan B sort of moves. Right. You kind of, you build a more, you know, genuine, intimate relationship with people where you wouldn't have before, where they just hear your music and it's one thing, but then to actually, you know, sit down and talk with you or chat with you and know who you are as a person and then why you're putting music out it only makes people want to follow you more. So, I mean, you know, for all of us as musicians, it's, you know, the music is a is a very important part of it. But at some point, it's like we got to build those relationships with our listeners if we're going to keep them listening. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I relish that. Um, so actually, that kind of leads me into I had a I had a question rattling around my head. Um can can you like talk a little bit about the music culture up in in DC uh, versus you know me being in the Shenandoah Valley and, and Will being you know just over the mountain in Central Virginia? I feel like uh, there's a you know I'd love to get some insight into what you feel like the music culture has been in DC and kind of like has it has it morphed at all? Have you seen it morph at all uh, because of the pandemic? Yeah, so DC is is special in the fact that it's a very diverse city. You know, we we have a ton of genres here. Um, obviously, you know, when people think about D.C., they think about Go-Go. You know, Go-Go mm-hmm. is a staple in, in the Washington, D.C. area um, because of a lot of those bands that, you know, pretty much defined that D.C. culture. When you think about Chuck Brown, you think about Rare Essence, you think about Backyard Band, Junkyard Band. I could, you know, go on and on and on and on and on, um, you know, and, and name the number of Go-Go bands that are here. But there's also a wide range of diversity in this city. Um, and one of my goals specifically, um, you know, just through some of the uh, groups that I'm that I'm a part of and, and some collectives that I'm a part of. Um, one in particular is, is called the Capital Groove Collective. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is uh, an assortment of artists from around the entire region, all in different genres of music who uh, celebrate diversity and come together 
to help each other ascend. So we know that even though we all are in different genres of music, there are certain skill sets that, you know, an artist may be lacking in where somebody else is very strong in that area. So we use that as an opportunity to really build each other up and to strengthen each other. So the D.C. area is great for that in terms of um, that diversity and celebrating that diversity, especially in, you know, what's arguably one of the most powerful cities in the entire country, if not the world. Um, Mm -hmm. So but with all that being said, I think where D.C. could uh, improve is being known as a hub for music because Mm. what we're also seeing is we're seeing a lot of artists feeling as if they need to leave this area in order to be successful. And Mm. part of that is because of, you know, affordable housing and rising costs and, and, and things like that. It's very, I mean, it's expensive living here, especially as an artist. um, There's, there needs to be more abundance of resources to allow the art to thrive in our city because whether you're in, I mean, DC should be considered up there right with Nashville, Atlanta, New York, Austin, LA, any music city that you Mm -hmm. can name. DC should be right up there with everybody else because we have the talent, we have the drive, we have the passion. It's just, you know, do we have enough resources to keep the artists here right um but i love but i love my city i'm i'm born and raised in this city you know in this area this region um and i love it i love it for everything it is but i just don't want to have to feel like i need to move out of it to bring awareness to it you know um but i feel like the city is definitely working on that um i feel like there have definitely been there's been a bigger push for uh, the the priority of making the arts more valued, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's 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 going to take some time. But I like I said, I love my city, I love my region. But again, I just want to see more and more artists get the prominence that they should earn. You know? Yeah, it's 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 like you said, it's it's such a storied music and cultural hub on the East Coast. I mean, you've got from the punk scene of Minor Threat and Fugazi to every just incredibly sculpting band of the go-go era. You've got this like ridiculous spectrum in DC that I feel like people forget about. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I forgot about, it. I think the thing that really brought me uh, aware of that was um, Sonic highways, the Dave yeah. special. I was good. Cause he's from that. around DC and he goes back and, and I was just, I was mind blown. I grew mm-hmm. up in Virginia. I had no idea the past of DC. Um, yeah. But you saying all that, it, it made me want to ask you, how has being in a scene that's as diverse as it is? Because I, Charlottesville's, at least in my circle, it's not very diverse. There is There are diverse pockets, but I'm not. Right. my type of music doesn't typically take me within those more diverse areas. So how does being in a metropolitan area like D.C. that is in cr- probably one of the more diverse music scenes in the country, how has that been during the Black Lives Matter movement and the quarantine combined? Well, I think um, the the biggest thing that I've noticed is that when people take that that term, Black Lives Matter, they take it as the statement, the pure statement, and not not for political advantage or disadvantage. 
um, I think we've actually we've seen how many people are willing to rise up to bring awareness to the human rights issues. Um, and music is a great, you know, combining force of doing that. And we're seeing uh, a ton of, of artists that, that want to come together to bring awareness to these issues. It's, you know, if it's not about black lives, then it's about trans lives. It's about, you know, people from a different sexual orientation or socioeconomic status. And that's that's the connection that I hope that that people are becoming more and more aware of. Um, you know, what what is happening right now isn't necessarily designed to divide us. It's really meant for us to understand each other better and, mm-hmm. and recognize where where we come from and how some of us have had to struggle a little harder than others to get there because of systems that were put in place prior to us even being born, you know? Um but with that being said, I mean, it. if anything, it heightens how important diversity is, mm-hmm. how much we all need each other in order to be successful. It doesn't, you know, I'm not looking across the screen and saying, well, I'm not going to help you because you're this, but I'm going to help this person because this. I'm like, look, if you need help and, you know, you got a good heart and you want to do well, you want to do good in the world, like, let's work together. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what your genre is. Like the thing about music is music is all notes and words. It's just how we convey right. it. That's, that's right. different. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's the thing we have to focus on is that at the end of the day, we all follow the same music scale, just like everybody mm-hmm. else. It's just right. how you, how you, um, how you vocalize mm-hmm. that expression, you right. know? Right. But I mean, that's, and that's the reason why, like I was saying, you can go, in a rural area with with an urban background and and be successful and vice versa you can be mm-hmm. in a in a more rural setting and come to an urban setting because fact of the matter is people need to hear that stuff right people yeah. need people need those messages they need mm-hmm. those words of encouragement and i think it would do us a lot of good to be you know accepting of people who come from a different background than us and actually like gain to understand where they come from and why they feel the way they do and what stories speak to them the most. So during quarantine, um, you know, obviously everybody's been kind of going through it, right? You know, we've all had our mental fatigue, you know, cause mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to manage this pandemic and mm-hmm. all the effects of the pandemic, especially for us as musicians. Um, and, you know, over top of that, we're also finding that music is a healing force and people mm-hmm. need that. And we we are essential to right. the restart of, of our country. We're, we're essential. We're more more than essential, whether people want to recognize that or not, because <laughs> yeah. you can you may not be able to go to work every day. You may not be able to, you know, do some of the things that you you used to do. But you can always turn on a song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can always turn on the TV, and there's music playing on the TV. Right. So, you know, I, I just, I just really want to bring us together. That's, and I think music is a great way to do that. Yeah, I think I, I, you, you nailed it. I think finding common ground these days is more important than it has ever been. But I think cool thing for the three of us is that music is 
one of those common grounds. I think it's maybe one of the greatest common grounds we have, art in general. Yeah. Um, you know, where blending different perspectives and viewpoints is what we what we try to do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I and I hope that's a really welcoming, loving zone that results in. I mean, I know there's going to be some badass art coming out of this whole period. Oh, there's there's got to be. I mean, you know, other, other otherwise, like, what has all this been for? <laughs> you know, like yeah. if if we're not if we're not learning, if we're not growing, um, if we're not exploring and discovering um, both inside ourselves and you know trying to educate ourselves externally as well. Like again, what what has all this been for? Um, you know, I would, I would hate to, uh, like walk away from this period in my life where, you know, I've been able to spend a ton of time with my wife. I've been able to spend a ton of time talking to other awesome people, um, you know, through, through this podcast, um, and, and being able to read and all that kind of stuff. Um, just cause I, I feel like I've been just so like, go, go, go. It's just jumping from one thing to the next, that this is the first time that I've been able to be intentional about what I'm consuming how I'm consuming it and all that kind of stuff. So again, if if I haven't been consuming with that intentionality, uh, then again, what what has all this been for? We see the greatest art comes out of times of adversity. Yeah, it doesn't matter what the art form is. It just when when times are tough or people are kind of going through a, a shift, that's when you that's when you see the real art, you know, get formed. And it's not to say that. We still can't create the fun art because you oh, yeah. need that, you know. Um, that's like I said, one of the songs I have coming out pretty soon. I mean, it's we we're gonna see a lot of the you know standing up for what's right and you know trust you know leaning on your fellow man, woman, child. You know, we're gonna see those type of songs. Mm-hmm. Um, they've already started to come out, um, but you know we we know that having fun is still part of the part of the musical process too right you know so it's it's good that we continue to focus on all of those emotions and not just the ones that are as a result of turmoil or as a result of adversity you know yeah. we got to have some of those positive vibes we send out too yeah i think this this time period in particular is going to be it's going to create like an even more diverse response of of art and music because i mean you've got you've got these you know these inspirational songs of songs of unity and stuff coming together and then like you're saying you've still got the songs that are like hey maybe forget about everything in the world for three minutes and 45 seconds and listen to this song and have a good time and then you've got like for myself i'm i'm trying to figure out as a songwriter how do i what's my voice in all of this like what can i speak about and i at the end of the day it's what i can speak about as myself so if it's made me look at myself critically in a way that I haven't before and examined who am I as a white dude from the mm-hmm. South. And that's, that's yep. an area that I maybe would have never looked into um, without the current state of the world. And I think that's ultimately a good thing if all of oh, us yeah. are having, having to do great some thing. form of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great thing. I, I, I mean, I think that's where the best music comes is, is when we're vulnerable you know, and and it took me a while to to figure that out. You know, I when I first started, um, you know, putting out music, I, I I was putting out the stuff that I thought would would be hot. You know, like mm-hmm. the stuff that I thought would be would generate. You know, mm-hmm. instead of and and it wasn't until I really started getting vulnerable and sharing like my own stories and my own experiences that 
it, it really started to take hold, you mm-hmm. know? Because like you said, there's a self-analysis that happens there. And the fact that you can put that on on paper, um, one of the things I've been telling a lot of my other artist friends is that when we're sharing our experiences, it's not just for us. Right. There's somebody out there who's feeling the exact same way that we're feeling, and they don't know how to vocalize it. Mm-hmm. But then when they mm-hmm. hear us and they hear our sound and our words, it does something for them. And that's something that I try to carry with me every time that I do a song that may touch, you know, one of those emotions or may reopen one of those wounds or, you know, that scar or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, and I think this time more than anything, we've all had to look in the mirror and we've all had to think about past experiences and how they've shaped us and how they've molded us and how we can take where we're at right now and move forward, you know, in a, in a positive way. And if there's mm. some things that we've even been wrong about over time, mm-hmm. you know, even saying to ourselves like, Hey, like, okay, I need to think differently about this. And I'm, I'm mainly also saying that because for me as a, as a black male, you know, there's there's been a lot of uh, stigmas and stereotypes about people who look like me over the course of my life. And, you know, I, I would even say the same thing in you guys' situation. You know, like there's there's been a lot that's been thrown out and had to been digested and disseminated. But that's mm-hmm. because we're all at home and we can deal with it now. Like we can mm-hmm. talk about it. Whereas before it was like all your other priorities and work and life right. and things like that were just you're taking hold and you're really trying to have some sort of emotional balance. Um, And again, for us as musicians, I feel like us writing and us creating is what helps to strengthen that emotional balance because we Mm -hmm. can actually get those emotions out and, and know that there's always one person out there, at least one who feels what we're writing. Yeah. I think that, that authentic, candid truthful element of a piece of art that's your that that's that is what i've connected to as a listener and then that's you might make one fan but like to bring it back to what you're talking about with engagement on social media i think you know evan and i talk about this all the time you could you could pay for a million fans from you know wherever in the world that are just sitting at a computer and you've paid for them and your spotify numbers look great but it's the engagement. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's on social media or it's people coming out to you after shows, those those are the fans that mean a lot to me. And yeah, I hope, yeah. and I think I, I mean, or my music and my art means something to them. Right. Yeah. And, I, and, and you know, coming, coming from that marketing perspective, like I'm, I'm not a songwriter, but there is nothing more exciting to me than being able to elevate somebody's voice and do it in a authentic manner, like portray them in the light that they want to be and feel they should be portrayed in, um, and, and share, and share that story. Um, you know, I, I, there's so many people that I think of that are fantastic creators, whether it's in music or film or photography, um, or, you know, writing, Um, and they, they just haven't figured out yet how to, um, have enough people hear about their stuff to have someone or have more people latch onto it. And, um, you know, that's, that's something that, uh, I've, I've basically kind of dedicated my life to is, 
and and this podcast honestly uh is is based around the idea that like we're here will and i as as people of as as white males of privilege that have the the means the time the resources to uh bring light to stories that are you know not in the spotlight but that matter um so you know i just want to i want to offer i guess to you Jero and to anybody that's listening that if you need help with you know finding out ways or resources or something like that to elevate your story um and do it in an authentic manner like reach out via you know deep cuts and coffee at gmail.com or um you know shoot me a message on instagram at evan underscore the hun um i would i would love to you know be able to talk to you and and hear your story and and try and share it because there are so many that just haven't haven't gotten that opportunity so um, even though, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement has been, it's been tough to digest and, and to, you know, look deep into myself, um, and, and come to terms with, uh, you know, my complex feelings on having been born and raised in the South, having had, you know, uh, ancestors that fought on both sides, um, and, you know, basically have like the, I'm going to say the moderate political beliefs that I do have. I'm a, you know, economic fiscal conservative and I'm socially uh, progressive. Um, you know, it's, it's hard uh, to, you know, to, to look upon myself, but anyways, all, all I'm saying is again, you know, there are tons of stories that I know that are out there that need to be shared and I want to do what I, what I can to help share them. Which is great, man. And that's, that's how we all learn and that's how we all grow together. You know, we have, it's important that we all share those stories. It's not, um, you know, I've, I've had this, I've had this conversation with, with a lot of my white friends recently. I'm like, you know, I, I, while I appreciate sitting back, you sitting back and and listening, I want to hear your story too, you know, like, so that way we can find that common ground that, you know, Will was talking about earlier. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, that's, that's how we, that's how we form bonds. Yep. You know, we don't we don't form friendships and partnerships just by uh, you know one way discussions. You know, it takes right. it takes both of us to mm-hmm. to be able to you know hear about each other's experiences and see you know where the exposure or lack thereof has has occurred. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm I've always made myself available as a resource for that as well. So. Um, you know, I'm as you know, I'm sure we'll be sharing a lot of, um, you know, information with with the listeners out there. But I'm also available to talk about, you know, these various issues and, um, you know, just like I said, to provide understanding, um, yeah. not just for me, but for for everybody out there, you know, because we mm-hmm. we're in this together. We're in we are we're listening and processing and and understanding together because that's how we're all going to move forward. Doesn't matter, you know based on your beliefs or based on your views or, or things like that, it's okay to disagree with each other every once in a while. It's okay. Like this, <laughs> that, that, that's what healthy conversation is. If we all agree with each other and all thought the same things and ate the same things and dressed the same way, life would be boring. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. we just gotta, <laughs> we just gotta be better how we, we respect each other and, and listen to one another for a change, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, All right. uh, well, let me uh, take I'll, it. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, well, I mean, speaking of 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 things the same, are are you a coffee drinker? I was I was gonna ask that question. Ah. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so I I am not. Um, what I, I I love tea. I'm I'm a tea guy. Um, I ha- I've tried the coffee route a couple of times, and you know, to you know, no pun intended, it's not my cup of tea. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but I love tea though. So, but I'm not gonna hate anybody that drinks coffee. Then trust me, there's times where I'm just like, I don't know how I have certain amounts of energy to get through things where people have like they need that shot of caffeine. Amen. But. <laughs> I, look, I and the older I get now, I'm starting to see it. I'm just like, <laughs> all right, we're like, but no, I just I haven't. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I but I love tea though, so I'm, you know, I, I go that route. Hey, I, I respect that. I um, absolutely. My my dad's a big coffee drinker, so I started drinking coffee when I was I think a senior in high school. So I started early, and uh, I'm hopeless wow. now. Absolutely hopeless. There's there's no, it's, no recovery. It's crazy. My my eleven year old brother drinks coffee. Wow, Whoa. it's nuts. Like I, I don't what, get what it. like it. A, does an eleven year old need energy? No, right. I, I did. But, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But it's crazy because um. So a lot of people don't know this about about me, but I have. So I have I have two younger siblings. So my my sister is fourteen and my brother is eleven, and uh, my brother also has Asperger's. So you know, there's um, there's another side of life to that that I'm learning. And for people mm-hmm. who don't know what Asperger's is, it's kind of like the sort of like your higher end spectrum of autism. Um, and so he becomes he's very fixated on things, mm-hmm. and but he's he's very smart, very intelligent, very uh, aware of things in the world. But it's also too there's just certain things that he'll do that you just to you you don't understand it so i'm like dude you're you're 11 years old why are you drinking coffee like you know <laughs> we don't need that but that's his thing and he loves getting up early in the morning and he loves setting the coffee and and getting his getting his cup of coffee and stuff like that and i i love him for it i mean that's look I, that's life man i that's those are one of the the wild things to you or me you know but for him, that's normal. The normal. Yeah. normal. That's know? that's awesome though. Like I I I didn't touch coffee until really I mean high school a couple times, but even then, like college, not even really. Um, I mean, my, honestly, my wife is uh, to blame and and to thank. Um, you know, for for my my coffee um, ingestion uh, every every morning or almost every morning. Um, and honestly, like I I can promise you without a shadow of a doubt that there were numerous days when we were on tour back in March, uh, when everything was going down that if I didn't have coffee, honest, I, I probably would have just like passed out in the, in, in the driver's seat, you know, driving the van. I think that the pre slash middle of the pandemic tour was fueled by coffee and alcohol just so we could <laughs> get, was. get through the reality of what was unfolding around us as we were on tour. Yep. Yeah. So, so you guys were, so you guys were actually on tour during, like when, yeah. when COVID started. We yep. were on tour when like everything uh, snowballed. It's like when the NBA canceled. Um, I don't know what there were like there were like four or five big cancellations, yeah. and we were on tours early March when that happened. Yeah. yeah. Yep. March. Man, that, I March mean, six through twelve. 
I can't imagine I can't imagine what that time was was like for you guys, but I just know and like you said, it was almost like a like an avalanche, you know, like a mm-hmm. like a cascade. It was um like I remember like our last gig was March 14th. And even in the week leading up to that last gig, there were there were all these reports coming out. We just didn't know what this thing was or what it was mm-hmm. going to do. And even doing that last gig like during it, I was just kind of like, "All right, how are we going to approach this? Like, right. what are we going to do? Like, how how is the how is the the venue handling this? Um, and we worked with them, you know, just to make sure the, that everybody mm-hmm. was, you know, being accountable and and mm-hmm. being taken care of. But yeah, I mean, it was like one thing just started going after another, yeah, like one after another. Like the gigs just started falling out, oh, yeah. And being on tour, I can't even imagine what that it was funny man it was i mean i think evan and i both have similar but varying perspectives and it was and ryan our bass player too but it was like i think we equated it to being an air force one during like a zombie apocalypse and we were just like riding (laughs) riding down the south and we were playing in atlanta we're playing north of charleston and happened to be on tour and like but the world was just crumbling around us but we felt kind of untouchable in our yeah. tour, tour van it was the, it was the strangest yep. dynamic yeah and it was it was it was strange again from my perspective you know as as will's manager um just like going into it i had been i had been watching reports honestly since january um and i was i was super like cautious and um and i'll just say nervous um straight up nervous like did i didn't i had no idea like whether we'd get like halfway into it and then have to have to pull out um, which basically is kind of what happened. We had to cancel um, our, our last two gigs of the tour, um, and that was really hard because those were our, our anchor gigs. Um, and so, uh, you know, but I was I was watching just all the all the reports come in from from China, and then when it hit the United States, um, and 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 also even in Atlanta, uh, when we played there, there was a lot of like, well, is the you know, I was I was thinking, well, is the gig even going to happen? Like, this is first of all, this is the home of the CDC. They're they're probably going to keep their their home field like as safe as possible. Um, and then, you know, again, there were other venues that were shuttering super early, um, and and so it was it was hard to just keep up with emotionally um, and and physically. Then, like all the changes that were happening uh, while we were on the road. But you know, we we got through it. We've all been healthy for the most part. Um, you know, I know, I know Will has, has had a, a couple scares as, as have I with my family. I, I don't know. Have you had, uh, folks close to you either have it or come in super close contact? Yeah. So, um, unfortunately like my, I had a older cousin, uh, was 75 and, uh, died in a nursing home mm. because of COVID. So I'm so uh, sorry. I, you know, it's, and it's, it's wild because, um, she had already been suffering from Alzheimer's and not to say that that's, you know, a reason, but, right. um, it, 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 it hit for me really quickly what the, ex- the extreme of what this virus could do because, mm-hmm. um, the day that she passed, it was 11, I believe around 11 in the morning was when she started feeling very ill. And wow. by five o'clock that day, she was gone. Oh, Wow. Like, so you're talking about some people who have dealt with this for weeks on end. Right. To then people who have literally passed within hours, hours yeah. of them of confirming 
that that's what they had. And so, yeah, I've, I mean, I've seen it from all circles. I've, I've seen, I've seen friends contract it. I've seen, you know, friends lose parents because of it. I've, Mm -hmm. I've lost a cousin because of it. And it's, you know, um, I, I try not to let it, uh, scare me or deter me from living. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm also very cautious in how I and how I approach my day to day life because my mom, um, my mom works in a grocery store three days a week. Um, she's also an educator. So mm. now you are seeing the stuff we're talking about with they're talking about reopening schools and what that's going to look like. And, uh, you know, so there's there's moments where I, I do start to get. Uh, I do start to get anxious thinking about the future or what it's going to look like. Um, but, you know, I was, like I said, I was, my grandmother is also 86. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I take her to doctor's appointments. And I, mm-hmm. um, you know, I go over her house and make sure she's got everything she needs. I just, like, like last week, I just installed her internet and, like, all this other kind of stuff. <laughs> So I'm trying to make sure that she has all the, you know, the resources that she needs, you know, to sustain because she was going to like a a senior center every day. And now they don't do that anymore. So she's been in the house all by herself all day long. Mm -hmm. So but I also just am very cautious in how I interact with her because, you know, Lord forbid, I'm I'm asymptomatic Right. And I pass it to her and something extreme happens and I can't have that on my conscience. Like right. I just simply yeah. can't. And I think about that even as we just did our first live gig this Saturday and it was an outdoor gig. Mm-hmm. Everybody was spaced out. People had their mask on, like and people who reached out to me and asked if they wanted if they could come. I said, yeah, it's outdoors. But I was like, please be safe. Like, just please just be right. smart about what you do because I love you and I care about you and these are mm-hmm. like we like Will was saying earlier these are like these these genuine fans that I've built over time like people that I that I text now like right. that just came and saw me at like one show and then started coming to every local show after that and people that I I I message on Facebook and I have I have personal relationships with now so mm-hmm. that's when it started really becoming really important for me and um yeah, so I see how I've seen the damage this thing can do. I see what it's doing, you right. know. Um, so I just try to think about that every day as I, as I pivot, you know, as I come up with a plan B to still do my craft, but yet, you know, think about everybody who's who's going through something right now. So right. to to that point, I mean, as you are going through it day to day, and obviously you're someone who's been directly impacted by it. What what does that day look like? How how are you going through this and kind of keeping yourself sane and keeping your art on track and and feeling like you're progressing? Because I, I know that's stuff that I deal with on a daily basis as well. Yeah, man. Um, look, the first thing for for a lot of people to recognize is that this stuff is not easy. You know, it's not easy for anybody to just transition. You know, and I think that's why we're seeing a lot of people on edge. We're seeing a lot mm-hmm. of people that are overly anxious right now. Um, because there's just still so many factors to go into how to just approach life right now. Um, but typically for me, um, I, I, I've been fortunate enough to still have some projects to work on. Um, I had connected with uh, a producer who's based in L.A., and so 
we had started working on some sync licensing stuff together. Um, nice. Just, you know, seeing like, okay, you know, this is what um, said agent wants uh, or they're looking for. Let's put a song together and, and see what we can come up with. And then if they don't take it, then at least, you know, we can put, we can do things on our end to release a song on our own mm-hmm. and hope it builds up traction that way. So we've been doing that. Um, I've also been working with um, uh, a guy who was my bass player uh, in the very beginning. He's now the music director at a church in uh, in the Columbia, Maryland area. Um, so I've been going up there and been doing pre-recordings of songs for their sermons and, um, you know, things like that. So... Um, and then here recently, my my schedule has kind of started taking on uh, virtual concerts because now some of the bigger uh, corporate entities that I have worked with over the years um, that had summer festivals and, and things like that, they're trying to figure out their plan B mm-hmm. right now. So they've wanted to do some virtual concerts. So I've been recording those. Um, but, you know, the day-to-day, Will, honestly, is still very fluid. I mean, there's some days where I just don't want to do anything. Yep. And that's okay. You know, if I, mm-hmm. the other day, I'll be honest, like I was kind of at my breaking point and I had to, I had to put on Disney plus and just like <laughs> watch a few Disney movies, man, just to yeah. kind of yeah. get my brain recentered. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's, you know, you have days where you're really productive and you're recording music and you're, you know, rehearsing songs and you're making phone calls, you're you're booking weddings or whatever that looks right. like. Mm-hmm. And then you have some days where you're just like, yo, I just want to lay down. I just want to <laughs> I just want to scroll Twitter for a little bit. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's just doing whatever is necessary for your headspace. And if if writing music one day is necessary for that, cool. Write and record a song. If yep. catching up on your Netflix queue is one of those things to do that, do that. Like whatever it takes for to maintain your mentals, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, dude. So I, that's I, that's really what my days have looked like here recently. You know, I yeah, I, I'm I'm still trying to you know exercise every day, and but at the same time, it's like if I feel like I want to eat a pizza. <laughs> well, I want to eat some ice cream. Yeah, I do throw that, it down. You know, yeah, man. <laughs> you got to you got to have balance. You know, you got to find that balance, especially now. Yeah, yeah. I I, I saw somebody post on Facebook the other day. Uh, 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 it's like the the emotional word for what we're all going through during coronavirus. It's called a Corona coaster, where you know. One one day you're you're waking up you're you're getting stuff done and the next you're drinking gin for breakfast and crying randomly like you know that's that's kind of what it's been like and and I I know Will's had kind of a a similar situation to be with that uh, it's it's been yeah some mornings we're just like ugh does anything matter anymore you know like why why are we even trying to do this it just feels like you're you know pushing crap uphill basically yeah it's like the days I, I find that I'm grounded and I'm not looking past the end of today, I typically have a, a, a better day. Um, but like when I like open my mind and have NPR on too long and let like the weight of the world 
come into my life, that's when I'm just like, what is like, this is terrible. It's not getting better. And I, th- I think for me, I think Evan and I are very similar in that. Like we're very go, go, go people. And I, I've, I've learned a lot about myself and then I think I justify a lot of who I am off of what I complete. And now that yep. there are no like goals that we can all really work towards, like tangible goals, um, it's, it's kind of been like a recalibration. And I think it's been good for me ultimately to be like, look, Will, maybe you leave, you live a little too fast. Maybe you're just kind of too distracted and you're running through life. Yep. Um, but that's been hard for me to be like, mm-hmm. okay, we're not working towards tour in two months and we're not trying to get this out by then. And we're not trying to, you know, and just day to day stuff in my personal life as well to can't, can't do that anymore. Can't do that. So it's yep. that for me has been, has been hard where it's just like, I'm going to get up today. I am going to do some stuff in the yard. I'm going to write a little bit. I'm going to freak out for a while. And then my <laughs> wife and I are going to have a beer on the porch. And that's going to be Dude, a good day. That's it right there. Like, you you hit it completely <laughs> on the head. Like, that complete <laughs> checklist. I'm, and, oh. you know, I, I mean, you, you bring up a good point because I'm a, I'm a go, go, go person, too. It's like, you know, once I get going, it's it is tough to slow down. Like, it's – and I, I, I've had – I've honestly had a couple brushes with death to slow me down to honestly like it's um, and that's part of the reason why, you know, I I became a full time musician three years ago because it's almost been three years now. So, you know, it's because I realized like life is is I mean, we're seeing it in 2020. It's like you you could Mm -hmm. be here today, gone tomorrow. And it's like, what what are you going to do in that time frame? that is for you not for yeah. anybody else and and right. you know and it's okay if if it's doing stuff in the yard or you know watching a documentary to help you know boost your skills or learn about mm-hmm. the the appreciation of your your craft and your genre like you know there's there's an education component in there too that you know i i know that feeling like we're all we all go through it where if we're sitting around we're, it's like we're losing time or we're not yep. doing anything. We're not being productive. And that could be further from the truth because fact of the matter is rest is just as important as the work. And we're, we're not, I, I feel like once things are up and running again, we're not going to have a time like this again for maybe another few decades, you know, the way things Hopefully. are going. If you look at, you know, the Spanish flu in 1918 right. yeah. and here right. it is almost a full century later who knows the next time something like this may come Mm -hmm. up so you know it's important that we take value in the time that that we're in right now and doing things that are for us Mm -hmm. and you know for the whole body not just Mm -hmm. the mental or the physical or the spiritual it's it's i mean we're all one and you hit it perfectly when you're talking about like feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders i mean i I personally, t- I took a month off of social media. Like, good for you. I, I think it was like it was May. In May, wow. I just said I'm 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 leaving. I'm like I'm not posting. I'm not logging on anything. And it was it was very productive. I mean, yeah, was I out of touch with some things? Yeah, but I came back with a clearer mind because I only focused on things that I knew I needed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's reading books or you know just checking in with yourself you know right. whatever that is it's 
is so vital. So mm. I, yes, <laughs> all the things, all those things. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could stand for a break from social media. I, I, my, my, I was talking to my, uh, my friend the other day and he was, he called it doom scrolling when you're just <laughs> staring at your phone, just thumbing through, like you just Googled Trump and you're like, Oh, did something else <laughs> terrible today. You know, like that's total. I just totally catch myself doing that sometimes. I'm like this, yeah. there's nothing positive coming from all this stuff that I now know about the world. It's not yeah, going to impact and, right here. And, it, and when it is positive, it, it's it's short lived. <laughs> oh. You know, even when you're trying to be positive, Ooh. it's it's like, why are you positive right now? What's wrong <laughs> with you? There's a yeah. pandemic going on. It's like, well, you got to have something, you know, it's oh. you got to have something to carry you through. And then, like you said, I I love your mindset of, you know, doing what's necessary for the day, because. I'm see I'm I'm normally a person I like to plan my schedule out like 3 months in advance. Mm-hmm. I like to know everything that's coming down the pike even for things that are unexpected. I'm like, okay, how can I map this into everything else I have going on? Yeah. But to now be sort of focused on, okay, how am I going to make it through today? Yeah. Cuz today may be all we have like at, and we've seen it. So yeah, it's 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 perfect, man. That's that's just uh that's the mindset right there. It's just hey, let me get through today. And if something something doesn't get done today, if 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 the if Lord, you know, allows me to see tomorrow, I'll work on it tomorrow. You know? Yeah. But yeah, today is, is what we got. Yeah. It's purely I mean, it's I've I feel like I've always been like, Oh, day by day, but that's that's there's no other way to do it right now. At least not in my life. Nope. None. No. Um, hey, well, Evan, let's make a really unprofessional segue here. <laughs> My favorite kind of segue. <laughs> yep, because we're we're only in our fourth episode of podcasting, so we're still figuring this out. Folks. Yeah, disclaimer, folks, we <laughs> have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's, um, Evan, let's touch on the second half of the title of of this podcast. Yeah, so I mean, we've 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 talked a little bit about you know the the fact that DC is kind of this cultural. Uh, stew that you know you have all these different genres and influences and all these kind of thing going on that that you've got a bunch of people collaborating and that sort of stuff so I I really am curious like what what are your influences what did you grow up with and and kind of like what are you listening to right now um, you know like what are what are the deep cuts that that you've you've gone to and and you're finding Whew. Uh well, I know you guys can see it on video. Uh listeners won't be able to, but um I know you can see Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson right here. Um yeah, Michael Jackson was one of my biggest influences growing up um because at the time I was watching uh Moonwalker and like the the thriller video, I was just like studying. Like I was, nice. you know, I was a kid back then where I was just studying everything that I love. So if I really fell in love with something, I would watch it over and over and over and over again until I locked everything. And that's why I said, you know, Disney Plus was just so important because I was watching all these older Disney movies that I grew up watching. Um, but when you talk about uh, like influences specifically for me as an artist, um you know, Michael Jackson, uh, Usher, Prince, um, Luther Vandross, Whitney Houston, Anita Baker, even back to, um, you know, Bobby Caldwell, um, mm. 
I mean, it it really it goes on and on. I mean, even when I think about Queen and um, gosh, Madonna. Like I, I mean, it, there's so many across all of these different genres. Even Rob Zombie. You know, <laughs> I was not like, expecting okay. that one. I, I used to listen to all <laughs> that stuff. Like I, you know, I was mainly I mainly grew up on mainstream R and B, but. I'm also a kid of the movies too. So I learned a lot of songs uh either watching movies or playing video games. Like I just remember okay. like uh tub thumping, you know? Yeah. Like I was playing I was playing World Cup ninety eight and that was the theme song for that video game. And so of course that's how I, you know, got into Chubba Wubba, you know, just like by listening to that. So I, I'm I'm a child of like of of the movies and and music and and all that kind of stuff. Um but in terms of what I'm listening to right now, the cool thing about uh uh this pandemic is that I've I've finally been able to listen to music just for the sake of listening because I'm also, you know, heavy in the wedding industry, um you know, being in an agency band and that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. we're, you know, a lot of times you're learning, you're listening to music for learning. You know, it's like, can can we do this song at this wedding or this corporate gig? Whereas now, I'm I'm really just listening just for the sake of listening. So, you know, like over the past few weeks, I've I've listened to, I mean, Juice World, like Juice World's album just came out. I listened to uh, J Cole and Childish Gambino and mm-hmm. Jenny Aiko, and I mean, it's been a lot of these uh, the weekend. Selena Gomez, like, I mean, it's just very, uh, with these, like, soulful, electronic, um, very, like, intrinsic vibes that I've been on right now. Like, very, also, like, very meditative type of sounds is what I'm noticing in a lot of these Mm. people's music, and also because they're all very real experiences. Um, You know, like, recently we've seen... Uh, artists like Juice World and Mac Miller, mm-hmm. you know, pass away from, you know, whether it be drug issues or, you know, depression or all these other things, and they were sharing that they were being so real about it in their in their music. And even um, I was watching a documentary about Amy Winehouse uh, a few weeks ago, and and a lot of people really know her story, and she was talking about all the things that were happening in her life in her music. Yeah. So it really inspired me um, that that's like we were talking about earlier. That's why the vulnerability is just so um, crucial. Even if you're not putting your name in the, in the songs, but just talking about your experiences with everyday life and how you're, how you're coping with it, you know, really connects with people. And the fact that you're willing to be that open about it, like I said, that just what draws people in. So yeah, that's that's mainly like a lot of the music that I've been listening to recently, and then obviously now as things are starting to kind of figure themselves out, if you know people are gonna have weddings again and all that kind of stuff, then you're starting to listen to more of the mainstream music again. Um, but I also have those moments where if I haven't heard a song in a long time, um, like you know if I'm listening like Stevie Wonder or Shaka Khan or something like that, yeah, and I'm just breaking down the songs. Like just hearing the certain parts and 
like I said, just become a fan of music, just fan of styles, right. you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's why I'm on right now. I, I totally, I'm kind of in that same uh, vibe with you right now where I'm listening to a lot of music to try and emulate it. And not, not to steal it, I mean, what's that quote for artists? Like, like amateurs borrow, professional artists steal. Like, I'm, you right. know, I'm, I'm, I, I have been listening with more intent lately while writing to say, like, okay, that's a sound. Like, that right there is a sound I really mm-hmm. like. Or that's a type of, you know, songwriting, stanza production, whatever that I really enjoy. And I, I haven't really, I think I've done that subconsciously, like, throughout my life just because I love music. Um, and always wanted to write music. But now, to where I'm like, I, I wouldn't mind putting out an EP that sounded like so-and-so. And I, I feel like I'm listening to stuff with a greater intent. And it's, you know, it, it's helped me with thinking about production in a way that I never have before. Because it's, it's so much more conscious than I than I. I think as a younger artist, I would have given it, I don't know, given it credit to have. It, it does yeah. take so much um, intent, and that, I think I'm trying to learn that to some degree. Yeah. Um, I, I can definitely, like, speak to and, and kind of say the same things that you're talking about, but, you know, from a, um, I guess, from a, a lover of a, a specific artist or, or genre, um I think it's I think it's funny. I don't know if you guys have done this as well, but when you discover an artist, you typically find like whatever their most recent release is. Um, so something that I've been trying to do, um, you know, I came across Brandy Carlisle honestly just a couple months ago. Um, oh, dude, where have you been? I, I know where have <laughs> I been, man? Jeez. I don't know. Um, He's been but, hiding out in quarantine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently, actually, I was I was searching for um, the reason. The reason I found her was I was searching for uh, live performances of artists in like the Americana singer songwriter kind of scene to help um, you know guide you know Will as the artist that I'm managing um, through kind of like how we could develop like a really engaging uh, per- performance, you know, a really engaging show. And, you know, I, I ran across her uh, Boston Calling performance. And first of all, Brandi Carlisle Live is just incredible. Like, one of the most flawless vocalists um, with a super unique uh, just timbre and stylistic choices vocally that you just you don't find in the Americana country singer-songwriter kind of vibe. She just... Her use of vibrato just blows me out of the water every single time because that's something you typically find in classical, um, you know, classical singing or or theater or that kind of thing. Um, you you really don't hear that from a lot of you know mainstream singer songwriters uh, or country artists. And she just, ugh, I, I can't say enough good things about her. But anyways, um, I I really fell in love with her. Um, I think it's the, is it the Firewatcher's Daughter? Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. yeah. So I fell in love with that re- that record. Um, honestly, I think it's one of the, the most diverse, um, as far as influences go, um, records from a, an Americana uh, or just singer-songwriter kind of person um, that I had heard to, you know, to date. And, um, I mean, she's got, like, super, like, grungy, um, like blues rock and roll stuff, and then she flips it around and plays these just gorgeous, uh, simple acoustic, you know, with her acoustic guitar um, songs. And then she's got, you know, uh, very much like, um, I'm going to call it like stomp and holler folk music. Um, 
and it's just, that that record just like spans so many different genres that that I love. But anyways, I fell in love with that record, and I hadn't listened to any of her previous stuff. Um, so I, I didn't listen to the records that really like made her the amazing artist that she is. And so in the past couple of weeks, I've been going back and listening to those and also like watching, um, I think it's the, the pin and needle or the, the pin drop tour or something like that. Um, she's got a documentary about the, the tour she did back in 2015, I believe, um, that they played just a bunch of old theaters and small rooms that they had no amplified instruments. It was a hundred percent just acoustic and their, their voices. And that's just such an amazing delivery, um, that again, I, I, I wasn't aware of, um, because I was that guy that was just listening to her most recent stuff. So I'm trying to do that with as many artists as possible. Cause I'm like, they're at the point in their career now because they did this thing before I heard of them. And obviously that's super important. Um, and, and that's going to take me back even farther. So having that, that, uh, all encompassing viewpoint of an artist's career rather than just the, the, you know, whether it's a, a few years or, uh, months or a decade, you know, understanding, what an artist is in their entirety, I think has become super important to me during this pandemic. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's so crucial. I, and I love live performances. I love watching oh, yeah. live performances. It, it, it adds a whole dynamic to just, like you said, like learning, like learning what, what really sticks out to, you know, engaging your crowd and and also just kind of bringing the music to life in a in a new way than just you know playing the song straight mm -hmm. you know um i mean i think there's there's definitely a, a special element to that but to actually do a song in a totally different way or just kind of play around I, i'm telling you some of the best moments that i've i've had on stage have been when we're in a live setting and something just happens or you just feel something and mm -hmm. the band is able to just go with you. Like, or even if the band does something and you're just kind of like, Whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What was that? And you just, you just kind of have that vibe with it. So man, like it's, it's been great. Like, I mean, it's been great being able to have experiences like that during quarantine where you're, you know, studying, just studying art mm -hmm. in general. Um, like I know, like you you talked about uh, Brandy Carlisle's documentary, like, um, like Taylor Swift has 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 a great one out. Um, mm -hmm. Lady Gaga has a great one out. Um, I even watched old ones on like Frank Sinatra and like Quincy Jones and Sam Cooke and mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's just so so much out there to really study, you know. So yeah. like you said, Will, like you kind of you take the best of what you've seen and then apply it to your own mm -hmm. um, experience as it, as it fits you. And it, it makes a heck of a difference. And, and just knowing that they did the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. like you're doing anything new. I mean, they, right. they, they looked at their influences and looked at what they did and then took the best pieces of that. And so oh, yeah. people have been doing that throughout time. Um, so I think that's just, you know, something also to, to pinpoint, you know? Yeah. I, I, I forgot where I was reading this the other day, but it was, uh, it was talking about how we as artists, we take pieces and we add our own voices to it. And it was, this person was 
putting it in a in a writing context and it was like say you're reading a book or a novelist and you you come across a a sentence that you wouldn't have said that way and that's that's where your voice is coming out and never i never really thought of it like that and i think i hear that sometimes mm. in songs now where i'm like i'm really vibing and grooving on it and stuff and then it gets to the you know chorus or the hook or something and i'm like you know what i would have done it differently there and oh, i think dude, it's I that, that, that little switch where it's like mm. oh that's that's me if i can hone in on that and expand right. that then i'll you know define my voice in a much better way mm-hmm. that's but pretty cool. it, it's hard to do Takes time. Well, they, they oh, said yeah. it's like if you're influenced by somebody, um, the best thing to do is to study their influences. So yeah, almost like kind of like having this like family tree or this like influence tree. So like I, you know, Michael Jackson's prime example. So Michael Jackson was primarily influenced by James Brown. Yep. And Fred Astaire and Charlie Chaplin. So it was like you then you go back and you look at what those three artists did. And you're like, I see it. Like, mm-hmm. wow, okay, that's pretty dope. And then he just took what he learned from the three from those three and others, of course, and then put it into his own repertoire. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Sorry about that. People are calling me. <laughs> oh, good. Um You're back. <laughs> but yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um Yeah, so and and that'll obviously make the 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 podcast as well. Like, wait, where'd he go? <laughs> but that's that's the thing. It's like they make this um you make this influence tree mm-hmm. and you look at what those artists did, you take the pieces from them, make it into your own, and that's exactly what what MJ did. And yeah. that's why, you know, he made it his own and everybody's looking at that now. He's the 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 primary mm-hmm. branch on the tree. And now everybody's going back and thinking about you know who else inspired them? So, yeah, yeah. So, so here I got, I got a question real quick. So okay. I'm mm-hmm. I'm curious, Jero. I'm a huge huge Ryan Adams fan. Okay, and I'd say he's probably one of my top influences. Ryan Adams, it turns out, is kind of a shithead. Not that <laughs> not that great of a guy. Yeah. Um, that's good. an that's an understatement. <laughs> Where how I'm curious how you how do you separate the art from the artist for someone like Michael Jackson? Ooh, man. Wow. That is such a great question. Um, No, because it's a real thing, right? Um, Because one of the influences that I didn't bring up for that very reason is R. Kelly. Yeah. Mm. You know, R. Kelly, we know how embattled that past and present is. Mm -hmm. But his songwriting ability and the way that he's able to create like hits on end yeah are uh, amazing and yeah. so the way that i approached it um especially with everything that was happening with michael jackson kind of like earlier last year um is you yeah you have the artist and you have you know the art form but what we also can't forget is, you know, the style of music. That's never going to change no matter who is the one delivering it, right? You still, like, what, it's funny because I was like, well, it's safe to say R. Kelly's not really going to be making that much music anymore unless, you know, something miraculous happens and there's a a change in tone and, and time. Um mm-hmm. 
but I said, there's, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, 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 the style. What were some of the things that they did that kind of made them the way they are? And I went into, I even made a remix of one of the songs I came out with last year. And it was very in that same vibe where he was using a lot of references and, you know, using a lot of metaphors to talk about certain subjects, mm-hmm. but not necessarily in that way. So it was like, all right, well, I'm going to do this my own way. Like things that are special to me. And there's just like a certain flow that goes with it. So um, to answer your question, I mean, that's really how I how I try to separate the artist from the art because it is it is very tough to do, especially mm-hmm. when you have somebody who has influenced you your, your whole life, right? And um, it's sort of like part of the reason why you do what you do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you just notice, like, I know that for every one of those songs, there was... Uh, there was an idea behind it. There was a another instrumentalist behind it. There was a producer behind it. There was, it's more than just the name that's on the record, right? right. right. So, like mm-hmm. when yeah. I think about when I think about Michael Jackson specifically, um, my favorite song is "Human Nature," and mm-hmm. the crazy thing is, the guys from Toto wrote that song. I so, didn't know that. yeah. So, so no Steve Picaro. And John Bettis wrote Human Nature. And um, Steve Picaro actually wrote it about an experience that he had with his daughter where she came home from school and she was asking about why she was being bullied. And then he just started writing and Human Nature was what he wrote. And Quincy Jones wasn't even supposed to hear that song. He, Steve Picaro put it like deep on a B-side tape that Quincy Jones wow. wasn't even going to listen to. And then for some reason, Quincy had just let the tape run and that came on. And so then they ended up deciding to give it to Michael. Wow. So it's stuff like that. It's stories like that where I'm like, I can't just mute the entire library. Yeah. Because there are other artists that were involved in making that project what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and it's it's tough, man, because... uh. Not maybe like in the reverse, I'll say, like maybe not the situation like yours, but um, Michael Buble, for instance, is mm-hmm. is a guy that I like amazes me, you know, like he sounds almost identical to Sinatra. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's kind of wild. And that was actually my first professional gig was singing backup for him for um, for a show at uh, Eagle Bank, which is used to be the Patriot Center. No way, man. Yeah, man. It was, and that was weird how that, it was wild how that whole thing worked out. And you see him like come on stage and he like, this is one of the most down to earth people you will ever meet. Like he came, I mean, for us, we're just a choir. Like we're nobody to you, you know? (laughs) But he came up and talked to us and had a great conversation with us and talked through the song with us. I mean, everything. And then even, like while we were in the green room, he came in the green room and hung out with us and talked with us. And he took a picture with me afterwards and was like, you know, I asked him about, you know, advice and, and things like that. And he just told me, he was like, don't stop. He's like, just keep going. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. guarantee, and I'm telling you, that's one of the reasons why I'm still 
doing music today is because of what he told me. And I think that's also the great thing to your point, Will, is that when one of your influences disappoints you, like there's other influences out there. Yeah. You know, that you can pull from and hopefully you'll have a better result with somebody else than you would with, you know, somebody who you may have followed a little bit longer over time. Yeah. Mm. No, that, that's a great answer. I, I, I don't think there is a right answer to that question, and it's a tough topic because we all, unfortunately, love artists who have kind of fallen from from grace, and yeah. it's 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 tough to deal with. And I think it's um, I'm really curious to hear how people people deal with it because I definitely I I still yeah, love that I still love that music, but the, the person who made it, I, I obviously feel much differently about them. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's tough, man, because you know specifically like when I think about MJ, it's like all right, well, which which MJ are you gonna cancel? That's 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 been kind of my my conversations that I've had with people because like you like you said, we know any artist of prominence has had their fall from grace at some point, depend on whatever the issue may be. Mm-hmm. And Michael Jackson had been around I mean, he'd been performing his entire life since he was five right. years old. So I'm yeah. like, are you gonna cancel are you gonna cancel the Jackson five? Are you right. gonna cancel, you know, uh, thriller Michael Jackson or are you just going to cancel everything from you know bad and dangerous on like it's like right. what at what stage right like are you going to shut it down are you going to mute it you know what i mean like it's with artists like that it's it's a it's a tough line to step but at the same time when somebody does something that is egregious and of course this i mean that that has always been debatable. That has always been up for discussion. There's no tangible proof to prove it, but that doesn't mean that something wrong didn't happen. And again, I don't want to act like I'm, you know, blind to that or insensitive to that. Um, but yeah, it's just, I just also know that in those songs, there were a lot of songwriters that should deserve recognition for putting some of that stuff together. There's like you said, Mm. producers, there's, there's a whole team that helped make that music, that if we mute that artist, right. you're, in a way, you're also muting them. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair to them. Yep. You know, Yo, they still have stories a... behind that music. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think about it that way. I don't just see the name that's mm-hmm. on the record. I, I, I think about everybody who had a hand in it, and I think that's also part of just me being a musician, you know, right. just yeah. appu- appreciating what we do. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's a well, that's a tricky thing in in art, and is that the legacy effect of art? You know, we're not a if the CEO of Google does something egregious, he gets fired, he gets slandered, he gets hopefully he doesn't work a day in his life again because he sucks. But that's a much simpler process of like canceling that person and trying to hopefully ensure they don't do what they've done before. Whereas with music, it's you know we put music out there into the world to like kind of hopefully let it be. Hopefully it takes off and you know it's going to it's going to soar when he released Thriller, it's going to, you know, bust charts and make a ton of money and do all that his management wanted it to do. But then that's a a piece of history and a piece of, you know, cultural and artistic history that's going to stay there in the, you know, canon of music, if you will, and yeah. and that's that's a tough thing to be like, I mean, do we how do you do we pluck this out? I don't I don't know if there's a way to do that. I 
I think I think it it all comes back to the fact that we as humans need to recognize that first and foremost we're fallible people. We create beautiful things and we destroy, unfortunately, beautiful things. Um, and and I I think that we need to to recognize that that none of us are are above either of those scenarios. Um, you know, we we can you can have somebody, you know do something horrible and then turn around and do something great. You can have something, somebody do something great and turn around and do something horrible. Um, you know, it's, it's just coming to, coming to terms with and, and, um, I think trying to understand our own and each other's humanity. Yeah. Nobody is perfect. You know, we're all human. Um, but, uh, we also, we all have the capacity to do good. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's that's the most important thing that we all have to remember in our day to day life is that, you know, we're going to we're not going to be perfect every day. But if you have more good days than bad. Then you, you, you have that capacity, and you have that potential as being remembered as, you know, uh, as being a good person or somebody who who attempted to put good out into the world. And I, I guess, again, that's, that's just a mindset that I've had from very early on is like, I always try to see the good in people. I always, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. I want to give them a chance to, um, defend, you know, themselves, uh, Mm -hmm. properly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's even when we do something bad, um, you know, I hope that, we we see it in our hearts to you know it, it just try to understand people a little bit better and and know that hopefully they have the capacity to do good after recognizing why what they did is considered wrong yeah um you know so i think we all go through that you know not just as artists but as people you know mm-hmm. we we all encounter that some some form down the line and and some are are less than others in terms of the the degree of mm-hmm. what that looks like. But um yeah, we we all have the capacity to do good. It's just a matter of if we do good or not, you know. Choosing 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 that. Yeah. Choosing it, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I kind of feel like that's a really good note to end on. Um, you know, we as humans need to choose to to do good every day and um so I uh, want to ask you, uh, Jerome, um, if you would, uh, you know, share one of one of those songs that you've uh, put so much time and, and effort into um, at this point in time. And, and we'll consider that a wrap on on this episode of Deep Cuts and Coffee. Yeah, man. So the song that I'm, I'm going to share with you guys uh, is actually something that I uh, came out with back in 2016. Um, and the reason why I wanted to do that is because it's still very relevant to the times that we're in right now. So the song is called Flash Mob. And uh, what that song is about, originally it was, you know, kind of like a, a, a surprise. It's like what the term Flash Mob means. It's almost like this pop-up uh, celebration, if you will, or like a coming together uh, of something that was either unforeseen or not predicted Mm-hmm. Um, but what that song also talks about is, you know, unity and, um, you know, coming together in times of struggle or in times of, uh, fear. 
Uh, so I wanted to definitely bring awareness to that song because it is sort of a, a love anthem in a way. Mm. You know, love love yourself, love who you love, and and be okay with that, and just and and be happy and and celebrate it. So, yeah, it's my song, Flash Mob. <laughs> All right, well, Jero, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and take it away. And no one by my side, straight so low. Random meeting, who would have known? Our love would sparkle, surprise the world. Come on now, one person sees and then two. But he didn't think it'd be you. Be you. Four people talk but don't know. don't know. We're such a sight to behold. Come on everyone and join in. A new dance about to begin. Let's raise our hands and sway. It's a love parade. Let's have a blast. 